Welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast. I'm Stacy Martin, and we are so glad you're here. Today, we are digging into escaping the trap of performance. And I've got my friend Todd Lesher here with hey, me. Hey, Stacy. Todd is the team lead for our family ministry. Yep. And you've been around for us still for a long time. Yeah. And you have spent almost all of your career, if not all of it, associated with families. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I came on staff back in 2004. And so I've been on staff for 15 years or so and started in student ministry with the one and only Robbie Fisher. Mm. So blessed in that way. And then uh, spent some time at the Fort Mill campus leading student ministry. And now I work with all our campuses in and family you have ministry. a lot of sons. I do have a lot of sons and I lose count of how many sons mm, I have because I only have three, but based on their energy and you know sweat glands and noise, volume, it feels like I have six or more sometimes. Let me just yeah. stand in solidarity with you because I only have two, but yeah, it sometimes like, it feels like four. It smells yeah. like a, a rugby team. <laughs> and we've already talking about the bodily noises and stitches that come from boys. Yes. So I yes. salute Abby, your beautiful bride, uh-huh. because she does it with so much grace that yes, I actually does. need. Yes, she does. Because I'm starting to morph into like a teenage boy yeah. in a lot of ways and a lot of my practices. And I'm, I need, well, my only I need advice for you is put on deodorant. That's my only advice. <laughs> I will. I we will. check with my 11 year old multiple times a day. Have you put on deodorant? Did you put deodorant on again? Go ahead and put on some deodorant. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm pretty sure that both of our futures are going to smell like Axe body spray. Yeah. yeah. Like there's a good chance about that. Well, I'm not going to tell you to pause now, to pause this podcast now, but in a second, everybody pause it and go subscribe to Todd's podcast, the Family Podcast. Yeah, Forest Hill Family Ministry Podcast or the Parenting Podcast. The Parenting Podcast. That's right. It's so good, you guys. Todd always has these great, great guests. And you have just brought so much depth of knowledge to the different stages of parenting, the different things we go through with all your guests. It is fun. Yeah, it is, it's, it's been so a lot good. of fun. I appreciate that. And in the spirit of reciprocity, pause right now and subscribe to this podcast that you're listening <laughs> to if you haven't already subscribed. Stacy's podcast. Is that, is that what it's officially called? Uh, Digging, no, the deeper, Digging Deeper, the Stacy yeah. Martin podcast? You know what? I, I hope, hopefully, that I'll be replaceable, you know, that it's not the Stacy uh, Martin, but yeah, Digging Deeper. Thanks, good. brother. Yeah, I appreciate absolutely. it. Well, we're so glad you're here. So, this weekend was Family Ministry Weekend. That's right. And across all of the campuses, the Family Ministry, somebody from Family Ministry mm-hmm. preached on escaping the trap of performance. Yep. And last week we did anxiety. We've gone through religion and escaping your past failures. Yeah, I think really performance good. is such an interesting. Mm-hmm such an interesting topic when we talk about things to escape from. Yep. How would you define the trap of performance? Yeah, I think this could go any number of ways, but for me, it's whenever we define our value and worth based on what we do instead of our truth in that way. And uh, if I could define truth, because you know, that, that idea of find your truth is out there, but I think there is a core truth to humanity throughout all of time that is is true about us now. It's true. It was true about us way back then, and it will be about it will be true about us in the future. But it's that we're created in the image of God, that we are loved by God, we're made with a purpose, and we're worth dying for. So I think that's our truth, dis- despite what we do. Another way to say kind of the performance-based trap is when you believe that performance earns your salvation Mm. or your peace with yourself or with God. So like I said, it can go any number of ways, but that's kind of where I put it is value and worth uh, determined by what you do. Well, how does that play out for men? 
Yeah. Hmm. It doesn't really. So let's uh, move on. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is your chance. I've had a couple weeks of free counseling. Yes, this is yes, your chance to, yes. to sit back on the couch. Tell me, yes. Todd, how does this play oh, out for oh men? Oh my goodness. I mean, where to where to start? Um, for for men in general, this may be the top pr- uh, trap when it comes to these topics that we've been talking about. Um, so I think of just men in general. There's this idea that. I'm really a man based on my performance, you know, whether it's success, profit, promotion in kind of the business realm, that your work can become a trap that you give all your time to and now you're working 80 hours a week for what? For worth, right? If we're all honest with ourselves, that's what it comes down to. And I've fallen into that trap before. For dads, you know, when it comes to the parent trap, shout out to Lindsay Lohan, or uh, what was it, Haley Mills? Is that 1961? <laughs> yeah, Haley Mills. Yeah, doesn't get any better than Haley Mills, but Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God rest her Disney soul. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I watched that. As she's a, kid, a little I more think, MTV like, now. She's less Disney and more MTV. Totally. She was, she was young at that, but it was great. Um, so for, for that parent trap side of things, this is where I think uh, men have an a misconception on parenting where they inaccurately view their role in parenting as, and I won't say the breadwinner because there are plenty of moms out there who bring home the bacon, uh, but for dads, it's this misconception that mom is the primary child rearer. And so dad will go, all right, go talk to your mom. Mm. Or there's what I, kind of, uh, I don't know if it's a, is it an acronym? Uh, but DAD, Dad Attention Disorder, is so that their dads are distracted. And whether they're just thinking about work or what's on the grill, you know, the kids are loud or disobedient or disrespectful. And I can even hear my mom saying to my dad, my dad's name was Rife, Rife, can you help me with the boys? <laughs> We're going crazy, like spinning circles, Tasmanian devil around my mom and she has to call help to dad. And that's because I think just dads get distracted, stuck up in their own heads. And so when you get into the performance is, it's control issue, Mm. is to go, am I in control? Am I in authority? And so whenever there's talk back or disrespect, now that's an affront on our performance as a dad. And so we can become heavy handed, we can become, even, even distance ourselves if over time enough that our child doesn't listen to us or respond in a way that we want, then we'll, okay, fine. I'm gonna punish you in removing relationship in that oh, way. Wow. And then it can get even worse. You, but know, you can when see you how about, that happens if, totally. if you, if what is happening um, affects your sense of worth, yeah. which is d- directly related to performance, and all of that is this nasty exactly. cycle. Exactly. Well, I even think for men, my husband has been in sales forever, mm-hmm. um, financial sales, and so much of that is about quota. Yeah. And I think, like for my, my personality, I would not do well under that kind of pressure. Mm-hmm. He thrives, yeah. but I can imagine that for most men, that if you're in that place, that creates a muscle that's hard to turn off, yeah. like a performance muscle of quota right. and, and, and winning and landing the next deal like that's got to be a hard muscle yep. to retrain yeah well and the thing that I think about is I I feel a lot of pressure myself to provide for my family that my wife is competent and capable she has a part-time job 
And she's, I think, one of the smartest people on the planet. So she could have a full-time job and I agree. do wonderfully. She's very smart. Yeah. But I feel that pressure. And so in to provide, I have to perform, right? I have to be successful. I have to do my job to be able to provide for my family because food on the table is at stake mm. here. So you wrestle through this all the time. So, okay, it, is my worth defined by providing? But I want to provide uh, for my family so I can get those all wrapped up. Um, instead of finding my worth elsewhere and then letting provision be in an overflow of where my worth truly is found in that mm-hmm. way. So, well, and I think, I think for women, it's very similar. I think there's something, it might not necessarily be related to a quota or promotion, although yep. I think that is, I think that happens, but there's something about, um, I love for people to see me as being capable and competent yep. and knowing that Stacy Martin can get it done. Yep. She can push through, she can do it. And it's mine's related to affirmation. Yeah. If I do a good job and I get affirmed, totally. it makes me want to do more and totally. more and more until what I'm doing, the, really the only reason I'm doing it is for the affirmation. Yeah. So then when my kids misbehave or something doesn't go well or I mess up, then I just, my self-worth tanks because mm-hmm. then it's directly connected to my performance. Yeah. Well, you think about it, that's something that dads get wrapped up in is the mm. performance of their children, not just or academically, sports. but sports. Oh even theater or dance, whatever that may be, what is it called? It's called a performance, right? And so it's all wrapped up in that. And you think about the car ride home. What do we talk to our kids about on the car ride home? Do we talk about that we enjoyed watching the game or what they could do better? You know, I think about that. I'm like, okay, keep your mouth closed. Zip your lips. Don't say anything. And I'm like, I can't help it. You need to change this. You need to do this better. You need to pass more. You know, that sort of stuff. But that living vicariously through your child, again, that your worth is based off their performance on the court or on the stage, whatever Gosh, it is. I see that all the time yep. at the ball field. Yep. It is crazy how many people are living vicariously through their kids. Right. Well, where do you see it with students? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, our students, whether that's a child or an adolescent, they're growing up in a performance-based culture, right? I, you probably could say that the, the pillars of the United States is performance, mm. right, is winning. And so we're better than, we're number one in, we have the greatest, the strongest, the best, whatever. And so when they're kind of inundated with that messaging, that's what they're growing up into. They're going to become adults who value performance as kind of the, the thing that they find their worth in. So, and then when you, when you tack on kind of the pressure in school, to get into this college, you know, even if you're in the right pre- preschool, you'll get into Harvard. You know, stuff like that that you just go. If your mom okay, used to be on Full House, you will get into <laughs> USC. Totally, to- it, it it clearly, uh, no one is immune no one. to that pressure. So it's not just someone in lower class, middle class, upper class. Everyone it feels this pressure to perform, and then and we'll probably end up talking a lot about social media here, but that's performance at your fingertips, mm. right? Where you can just, you can see your stats of performance every single day. Gosh. How many people liked my post? How many new followers do I have? How many followers did I, did I lose? And then we see with the student culture, they're on way more platforms. So they may have multiple profiles to maintain kind of levels of performance or status yeah. in that way. So, I mean, I, I have never thought about social media yeah. being basically your dashboard exactly. of performance. Exactly. 
I don't yeah. know if I've ever thought, although I, I can certainly go back and look at my highlight reel and be like, gosh, I am killing it. Yeah, yeah. I oh. am killing it. Yep. You know, and that makes me feel good. But gosh, for a student to think about that all of it is metrics. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, that is something. I saw a time lapse of a celebrity's uh, push notifications for a recent post. And it's just push notifications of likes, just kind of like scrolling through. And you think about that, like, that doesn't help happen on my photos. Like, what is that? Or I go, ah, 15 likes for that one, but 89 likes for that one. So think what did I how what, silly that but is. But what did I do there so I can replicate right, it? Right, right. Well, there is some science that says that, like, um, a, a like notification releases an endorphin dopamine, in your brain. Totally. Dopamine, yep. yeah. Mm -hmm. Man. Yep. The reward system. Well, how do you, how do we self-diagnose? How do we either self-diagnose for ourselves or diagnose for our kids that this trap is happening? What would you say? So I have a couple ideas here for this one. So the first one is an expression. How can you catch yourself saying, I don't do blank enough, or I don't do enough of blank, put it in anything. Uh, we don't eat well enough. I don't exercise enough. Uh, I don't rest enough. I don't have enough time. When you bring it into the spiritual realm and your faith, I don't pray enough. I don't read the Bible enough. I don't go to church enough. I hear those constantly when you're just talking to people. You'll be catching up with somebody, and if somebody knows that you're a pastor and you haven't seen them for a little while, and whether or not you know they haven't been to church, you go, hey, Stacy, great to see you. First thing out of their mouth is, oh, sorry, I haven't been to church enough. Mm -hmm. What? Mm -hmm. I said, how are you doing? Well, clearly you are burdened by some sort burdened. of guilt and shame, and I'm that trigger yes. for you. So that's one, is that you're basing everything around enough. Mm -hmm. Another one uh, would be, what's the first thing you do when you wake up? Check your status, Ooh. right? I did it this morning. Yep. Yeah. I looked at my email, right? Because work for me is performance, right, mm -hmm. and value. And if people need you. If your email yes. is full and people need you, yep. that scratches some sort of itch. Totally. Yep, yep, I get it. When that email's not full, even though you complain about email all the time, yeah. like, ugh, these emails. But why is it the first thing I look at in the morning? Because yeah. it validates me that I am worthwhile <laughs> because someone needed something yes. from me. Another thing, I've mentioned this one already, but what's the first thing you talk to your kids about in the car after a performance? Mm. Is it they could have done better or they played horribly? or they missed that note, whatever that may be. Uh, how would you complete a sentence? Um, I am most happy when I blank, or I am most at peace with myself when blank. Mm. And then the last one is, I think, way to self-diagnosis if you're a one, three, or seven on the Enneagram. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> let me just tell you. So part of my, we're gonna talk about this a little bit because I yeah. had a season a couple years ago that Really, almost, I almost buried myself alive uh -huh. in just all the things. Yeah. And um, if you look at, if you do all the all the exams, all the things, I'm a words of affirmation. That's yep. my love language. Yep. And I'm a three on the Enneagram. And, and I'm a recent Enneagram convert in the sense of everybody's been telling me to do it. And I finally took the test. And I'm a three with a two wing. And I read the three and I was mm. like, oh, this hurts so good because yeah. I feel like somebody is seeing me. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, I am yes. a three. And then when you go to the two, right, that's kind of that both ways, right, where to perform and then to serve, right, that you get those wrapped up, service becomes wreck. performance.
I'm a train wreck. I've got a great podcast for you to listen to. Is it yours? So it's called the Digging Deeper Podcast oh, with Stacey Martin. Oh, about anxiety or on performance? <laughs> great. I look forward to listening to that. I need to, I need to like slow it down so it sounds like a man's voice so I don't realize I'm listening half to time. myself. Yeah, half time. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I, for me, like I was saying a couple of years ago, if it's not enough to have a full-time job yeah. and two kids and a husband who works full-time and travels, I decided to start a nonprofit with a friend. Way to go. You know, because yeah. I personally am able to combat upward mobility in Union County, specifically literacy among Title yes. I schools. Yes. And I was doing all the good things. Okay. Like everything I had on my plate was good. Mm -hmm. And I loved all of the affirmation I was getting for being able to handle all of it. Yeah. You know, people are saying, I just don't know how you do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you do it? I'm like, oh, it's it's fine. It's great. Yeah, I yeah. love it. A home cooked meal, and <laughs> we're gonna read scripture, and you know. Um, but on the inside, I thought I had breast cancer, and I thought I had an ulcer. Wow. I mean, yeah. like in a series of a yeah. month, I really, I was like, everything hurt, and I knew that this was like it, it was getting ready to happen. Mm -hmm. My my great demise. Yeah. And so I realized that I didn't have breast cancer, and I didn't have an ulcer. They yeah. were like, I. I'm sorry, ma'am, but I think it's stress. I'm like, not me. I can't be me. I can it handle cannot this, be. Right? Have you met me? I am. Mm -hmm. I can handle this. I, yes. you know. So I started reading Present Over Perfect okay. by Shauna Nequist. Yep. And this book has been on New York Times bestsellers list. She is a Christian author and has been in church world forever. Yeah, she's good. And I... I'm going to read an excerpt because I want your I want your opinion on yeah. it, your thoughts. But as I'm reading this book, I start weeping. And weeping is not my normal go-to. I was like, what is this hot? I have tissues What's, here. So oh, well, just, if I start yeah, dipping yeah, yeah, I'll it, grab them. you'll yep. be shocked because yep. it only happens like twice a decade. And I'm, <laughs> I'll be more surprised than you. But I'm shocked because I'm like, if I had a diary, Shauna Nequist mm, is reading she it. She read it. She yeah, read it. Yeah. Okay. So I want to read this to you because this is, I thought that for me, this was so much my personal story, but I think what so many women can relate to. Yeah. Um, she said, and in the same way, I've always given my best energy to things outside myself, believing that I'd be fine, that I was a workhorse, that I didn't need special treatment or babying or heaven help me, self-care. I was a linebacker, a utility player. Um, now I know that the best thing I can offer to this world is not my force or energy, but a well-tended spirit, a wise and brave soul. Hmm. My regrets? How many years I bruised people with my fragmented, anxious presence. How many moments of connection I missed, too busy, too tired, too frantic, and strung out on the drug of efficiency. Mm. Come on, Shauna. Mm. I mean, can I get an amen? Yeah. I read that and I thought, that's exactly what I'm doing. I have, I'm, I want so badly for people to know that I'm a utility player. Mm -hmm. My ego is so connected to being needed yeah. and to being affirmed that I, I can't separate the good of life from this drug of being needed. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted influence so badly right. over so many things just for my own ego. Yeah, yeah. And that was a hard realization because I thought I was, bet, quote unquote, better than that. Yeah, well, it, what it makes me think of is that when does our performance become a burden? It, what you're talking about is when you were talking about breast cancer and an ulcer, that performance was coming a burden to you, self-inflicted. But think about how it inflicts others as well when we get stuck in this trap and that we put the demands of our worth on other people. I mean, that's something that they can't get out of that trap because they're stuck in there with us. Oh, yeah. My poor husband, if he doesn't affirm me, I'm like, 
<laughs> you know, affirm me. <laughs> like I have, sometimes I'll tell them, listen, I'm having, I'm yeah. gonna need you to affirm me. Could you tell me I'm pretty? Could you tell me dinner was amazing? I'm gonna need a little affirmation, <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you to do yeah. it because I know it doesn't come naturally. Right. But even in the workplace, yeah. I mean, I find myself, or I did, especially in this season, I'm, I'm feeling. I feel like I'm training myself to get out of it a little bit, but even in a season of work, if I wasn't invited to a meeting, hmm. like not yeah, because I yeah. wasn't invited, but yep. inside I'm thinking, I'm losing influence. Yes, I'm losing influence. Yeah. I don't need, I mean, but I needed influence not for the kingdom or yep. for the church, but for my own ego. Well, then that performance doesn't become a trap. It's a monster now oh. where it's like, it's whispering into your ear, right? And then you force yourself on others and things like that. When, for me, it's anytime I sit on the couch, that's when the performance monster whispers in my ear because I'm not doing enough. Because you feel guilty for just sitting. Totally. I'm like, okay, there's dishes to be put away. There's laundry to be folded. There's kids to be played with. There's, you know, my wife to be with, that sure. sort of thing. And so I feel it every time I sit down on the couch and really don't give myself the freedom to do that until the boys are in bed, the kitchen is clean, the laundry is folded, then I can sit down because that it's just whispering. So that's kind of an icon for me um, when it comes to not doing enough. Well, you know what I think is so interesting about that is that so much of these traps are lies. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you started off talking about finding our truth, yep. but so much of these traps are these lies. Like you, right. you're not good enough. You're, I mean, that creates anxiety. Mm-hmm. You're, you're never doing enough in your faith. That's the trap of religion. I mean, so much of it is lies of the yep. evil one yep. saying, you're not good enough. There's nothing There's nothing you can do to get yourself out yeah, of this. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's what the Satan means is the accuser, right? Mm-hmm. So all of that is just the voice of accusation against you. And that's what the scriptures remind us over and over again. Uh, anyone who is in Christ has a relationship with Jesus. There's no condemnation for you. Mm-hmm. So that, that, like you said, that the accuser has no say over your life but the trap convinces us otherwise. Well, I, my next question, which I think we've pretty much answered is, does everyone struggle with performance as a trap? And I think, I mean, even with your diagnostic tools, I mean, I think some people could fill in the blanks and say, yeah, maybe I'm not there. But I think when we do have Satan whispering in our ears saying, yeah, you're not good enough. Yeah. I think that I think we're all, because of our relationship with Christ, he wants to tell us that nothing that we can do right. will ever earn us that love of Christ yep. or you know like he wants us to so based yeah. on doing yes right yes. instead of being you know who we are and allowing that to be okay right where uh, a relationship with Jesus is defined by becoming not by doing mm. he is transforming our lives yes there is an overflow part of the Christian faith where you give your life away but it's overflow it's not earning Mm. It's, it's just it's just so subtle, but we it happens to those who have been following Christ for years. We turn that ever so slightly and get stuck back into this. Okay, I'm not sure how God feels about me, so I've got to earn His approval back. I've got to impress Him, and that's all performance. Mm-hmm. Again, for when it comes to the question, does everyone wrestle with it? Yes, it gets especially messy when it comes to our faith. That's for sure. That's and that's religion, right? What we've talked about in weeks past. But religion just can become another performance trap. You're at church longer. You're volunteering this number of hours. You do this number of rituals, and now you have a scorecard. You've checked things off. We've all done that. I, like I think about Sunday school growing up as a kid, the star chart for memory verses. Oh You're able gosh. to see where you stand with everybody else, and it's like, man, I am underperforming, and I'm the pastor's kid. <laughs> So, 
this is not going well for me. It's always so. the pastor's kid. You know, it's always the pastor's kid who gets their belly button pierced on the youth group, on the youth trip, or that's right. Gets that's got right. smoking in the back of the bus, <laughs> or maybe that was just my experience in, in the youth group. Yep, pastor's kid can go one of two ways, you know, and it's rebellion or self-righteousness. But, you know, I do think you're right. When it comes to our faith, just about everything we do is marked by some sort of metric, some kind of scorecard. And with our faith, it's like, okay, well, God, I should be reaping all of your blessings because I'm tithing. I read the Bible four days a week. I pray for unreached people's groups. I pray for people who don't know you in Africa. I volunteer at the soup kitchen. You know, I'm a greeter. And then we wonder why things still go wrong. Yeah. And that circles back, well, I'm not good enough. Yeah. I don't deserve God's love because even exactly. despite of all these things, I still don't, it's not working out for me. Yeah, well, in a little peek inside of pastor's brain here, it's why we get so caught up in attendance and amens. Oh. It's performance, right? Because mm. now you know that your message is doing something. You can't see life change, but you can count attendance and you can hear people shout back. And so you just have to be cautious of those things. That This is what a pastor gets wrapped up. And I read something recently, a pastor said, I'm in kind of the anti-church growth model where we started with 90 and now we have 30. We're doing great. (laughs) And you would go, what? You're doing great. But he says, hey, the church is made up of messy people. It's going to be messy. It's not going to be perfect. So to Shauna's point, that when we base everything on perfection, then performance is going to say, keep going, keep trying, because you will always be at 99.99% because no one can be perfect. And so you'll be striving and just wondering, have mm-hmm. I reached it? Have I made it? Have I attained it? And we won't know. Man, yeah, that's a, that's like one of the levels of Dante's Inferno, pushing that boulder up yes. the hill for yeah. all of eternity. There was a scene you know? in uh, Saving Private Ryan at the very end of the movie where uh, the, the guy who they saved, I think it's Private Ryan, he's at the graveside of one of the uh, uh, soldiers who rescued him and he's saying over and over again, did I earn it? Did I earn his life, right? Did I yeah. live a life worthy of the life he gave up? It's like, and, th- and that's the power of the gospel is you don't have to earn the life Jesus gave up. Mm. You receive the life Jesus gave up for you and you live it out graciously, abundantly, generously towards those around you, knowing that you can't earn it, so you live it freely. Oh, yeah. gosh. That's a reminder of the gospel that's easy to say, it's super hard to practice. It is, but when you, even that image of thinking of him being on his knees at the gravesite saying, yep. did I, am I living a life that, you know, that reflects your yep. sacrifice? Yep. And I think about that with Jesus. Am yep. I living a life that reflects your sacrifice? And it surely isn't a life that's marked by my ego and my performance. Right. It right. surely isn't about whether or not Stacey Martin feels good mm-hmm. or is getting affirmation for various and sundry things. Yep. That surely is not a life that is abundant and overflow that mm-hmm. what Christ says. Yeah. Well, what would you say to somebody who is sitting across from you at coffee and they're talking and you're like, ding, 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 this is, you are in the trap of performance. You are trapped brother or sister. Yeah. What would you say to them? I have to give a shout out to my friend, Clint Hudson uh, with 12 Man Ministries. He has this phrase that just gets stuck in my head. I try to remind my kids of it all the time. And it's who you are is more than what you do. Who you are is more than what you do. And you have to drill down deeper into that and so what if you go you know zero for zero on the on the sports field or whatever um zero for zero zero for ten so you're a zero percent here um are you still valuable yes and i'm still proud of you right if you bring home a report card with you know d's and f's 
I love you. You know, that, that sort of messaging, what? But wait, my value is tied up in how I perform and the grades I bring home. So those are, those are a few of the things. I, I think our worth is not defined by what we do, but what Jesus did for you. Um, a, a big phrase for me is grace takes away the pressure. That was kind of the mm. turning moment for me in my faith because I got caught up in the religious trap of performance. I was good enough. But grace takes away the pressure, so it's the idea that you can't do anything to earn God's love, you can't do anything to lose God's love, so all you can do is receive it, right? If, wow. it's, if it's there for you, or think about kind of, if, kind of a metaphor of when you sin, when you fail, and you're kind of down on your face again, right? Do you expect to God come over you and kind of slap you back of the head, or to kneel down next to you, pick you up, dust you off, and say, I love you, I'm proud of you, I believe in you? move forward mm. that like what's your image of God yeah. in those moments so those sort of things it sometimes we have to deconstruct God and let the Bible let Jesus reconstruct the true appropriate real version of God gosh I think that is so interesting about a first step because I don't think we realize that so much of the trap that we're in is connected to how we view God yeah whether he is, is he this punitive? Yeah, like back, you know, yep, yep. back across the head, like yep. get up, right. you know, what's wrong with you? Or is he the, I love you. Yeah. You're going to, you've got this. Yeah, you can what, do what's, it. What are the first words out of God's mouth when he talks to you? Gosh, can you imagine that exercise? Uh-huh. If we were all like today say, okay, God, I screwed up or I'm right here in this moment. I'm going to imagine now what are the first words out of your mouth to yeah, me. Yeah. That is powerful. Well, I remember David Brown led us in a practice a couple years ago, and it's, it's, it's so, uh, so visceral where he said, close your eyes, and I want you to imagine that Jesus is sitting on a park bench next to you with his arm around you. He doesn't say anything, but he just has his arm around you. How comfortable are you with that? Like you just think about it, and you kind of go, do I deserve this? Am I worthy of this? And that as if Jesus delights in being with you, just the, the moment and the time with you. We're not talking about anything. You don't have to prove anything. It's just being. Can you be in that moment allowing the God of the universe to delight in presence with you? Mm. Not you delighting in presence with him, but him, arm around you. You think about a couple does this. They don't have to say anything. Yeah. But they're just known in that moment. Can you allow that? And then when he speaks to you, what are the first words out of his mouth? It's mm. And okay, it may, I think for, for guys, it's hard to hear that because yeah. you know, it feels a little too intimate. Yes. But it's the only way that we can kill the performance monster dead is to allow Jesus to speak the truth. That's everyone's homework today after this. <laughs> kill the monster I want you, Yeah, well, <laughs> kill the monster, but also I want you to sit yeah. and imagine sitting on a park bench yeah, with Jesus. Yeah, Because that is something, I mean, I think about even holding my own kids, how we, we right, my kids, right. their love language is couch snuggle time. Uh-huh. Like, yep. and we don't have to say anything. Nope. And it's just, and I think about that gift of being able to sit with Christ yep. and, and him not, and him delight. Yeah. To just delight because I mm-hmm. delight that my kids still want to snuggle with me because it's not always going to be that way. Yeah, you know, but that Jesus delights in us like that. Yes, yep. well, I love that what you said from Clint about that you you're not what you do. Right. I, there was this this image that was going around on Facebook earlier this week because it's the EOGs. It's yep. the end of mm-hmm. year, you know, end of May. So third through fifth, third through twelfth graders all over the universe are like bearing this burden of exams yep. of, of the, the performance of what are they going to do that's just the pressure and this teacher had sent out a note that said this this test 
shows a little bit of what you know, but it doesn't show me the way you laugh, the way you help your friends, the way you love to run in the sunshine, the way you love to read mystery books. Like she had this whole thing that really encapsulated the beauty of her students that was not found on a test. And I thought, gosh, that is powerful even for adults to think this job, that affirmation from your Mm -hmm. boss doesn't reflect the kind of mom you are, the wife you are, the dad you are, the friend you are, the way you help snapping turtles cross the street. And I say that to my husband because he's, he's, he, or water. He, Save the snapping he does, turtles. He does. He's such a good, he's such a good one. When we first got married, he lived in this town. I was like, I gotta give him a shout out. Cause he is, I mean, he is driven. He is a performance yeah, guy. Yeah. He's competitive and he's the quota. Mm-hmm. We, we moved into this townhouse and across this back berm area was this, like these trees that the developer had planted. And they're not, they're on near the road. Yeah. So like nobody takes care of them. And they were, they're not, they're not doing well. Mm-hmm. And so Mike would lug this huge bucket of water from our back porch and he watered those trees because he could not bear to see them Mike is the man. suffer. Way to go, Mike. I know. Man. I just got a little husband shout that's out good, there. That's good. Now that I'm getting all misty and dewy about my husband, we'll just back it up, back it up. <laughs> EOGs, <laughs> turtles, and trees. Yeah. We knew that this podcast was going to go sideways at some point. We, you know. That's too good. But I do, I love that, that these kids are, that there are teachers out there yeah. reinforcing yeah. that for our kids. Because yeah. it is so important. If they can learn that lesson now, yeah. I mean, think about the, the trap that us adults are in. Yeah. Well, I still have this memory from my childhood, and I can see it. We had this little doorway in between my kitchen and the dining room where the pantry was. And I got a report card home, and I can remember one of my parents saying, you could have gotten A. Why do I still remember that? Yeah. You know, 25 years later, why is that still in my head? And I can still hear the voice. And so to the point we talked about, sometimes the accuser can take on the voice of a loved one. Oh, gosh. And like, ah. And we often hear that Jesus becomes the accuser, right, when we talk about that part bent analogy. But why do I still have that memory that I have to continue discard, discard to shun? Yeah. And go, that's not true about me. And so I love what you said about kind of the teacher's encouragement. So some uh, some ideas for parents, you know, one may be when your child gets the report card, no matter how disappointing you may feel of it, your first response is, let's go get ice cream. Mm. Let's just go, hey, you finished a great year. Yeah. And in, in my eyes as a parent, did you end up where I wanted you to be? Maybe not, but you were more than your grades, right? So how do you how do you celebrate the person, not the performance? Mm. The other one is uh, that you, in whatever way that you would articulate this, that I'm proud that you're part of our family, that sort of message. Because sometimes kids can walk away feeling less than, to go, I'm a disappointment to my parents. That's one thing that I would say, parents, never say that to your children. You've you disappointed, disappointed me. me. Mm. Yeah, because that casts Feels shame like on them. Oh, yeah, gosh. totally. And I think we've all, been guilty of that in one way or another. We can have a disappointed look and we can say that we just have to go back and apologize for that. And then in in this world, and especially in our faith, reprioritize character over grades. Or reprioritize character, you know, who they are, how they serve others, you know, if they're self-aware, you know, if they uh, return kindness to someone who was unfair to them. Like those are the things that there's no report card for that. But yeah. notice we talk about on on the podcast we talk about noticing your kids winning in ways other than on the sports field or in a competition. Mm. But to when they're living like Jesus as best a kid can and sometimes they do it better than we do um, in that way. So those would be a few of the See, ideas. that's a good example even for us as adults to think like at the end of the day instead of tracking my looking at my dashboard. Yep. 
my that currently exists, how can I say to myself, how did I win at something other than work today? Yep. How yep. did I win as a parent? What did mm-hmm. I do that encouraged my child, yep. that pointed them to Jesus? What did I do today to love on my husband when I didn't feel like loving yep. on him? What yep. did I do to serve my neighbor when it was hard? Yeah. Like ways like, gee, that's, that's, well, real, and, that's an and, interesting practice. I think we need to talk about competition for a sec because mm. competition is not always a bad thing, but when you find your worth and value out of competition, that's when it becomes a trap. So when you talk about winning, you go, well, that's performance. No, it's where you find your worth, mm-hmm. right? It's okay to win. It's okay to succeed. It's okay to make profit. Like you were talking about with Mike, he's driven. And so, yeah, he's going to make the sale or, or whatever it may be. Let's celebrate that, right? But when it becomes the trap to go, this is what I live for. This is what I'm my worth is. I'm willing to sacrifice is. everything else because it Absolutely. does something about my worth. Absolutely. Well, what is one verse? If somebody yep. wanted to focus on a truth yep. and kind of plant in their seed and let it be their memory verse, what verse would you would you point out for this one? Yeah, I think Ephesians 2, I think it's 8 through 10 is the one that comes up. It's from uh, one of Paul's letters to a, a church in Ephesus, and it sounds like they struggle with the performance trap as well. This is from the message translation. I so, love the message yeah, translation, I do by the too. way. Uh, for me, I have it memorized in the NIV. That's just what I grew up with. But the message gives you a few more nuances in there. That's just nice that I'll emphasize one. And so it says, uh, saving is all his idea, God's idea, and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. That's performance. We'd go around bragging like, I saved myself. I did this. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates us. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. So again, there's kind of the mm. idea that we don't earn our salvation or the love of God, but our life is a response to receiving that love. So you could look at somebody and be like, they say they're a Christian, but they seem to be living opposite yeah. the way that Jesus did. And again, it goes back to becoming. So are we more forgiving? Are we more joyful than we were a year ago? I hope so. You know, um, But again, we can get wrapped up in that performance trap. So it comes back to this is a gift. You don't do anything to receive a gift. A gift, when it's given with sincerity and authenticity, we know that it comes from someone. You don't have to give anything back uh, in this way. We just receive it. So for the person who is listening to this podcast, they're in their car, they're driving, they're almost to work, and yep. they're like, oh, gosh, this is me. I, I am trapped. I am tra- I am guilty of all of this. I feel this. Yeah. I'm feeling this burden. I, I need to take a step. I'm going to get out of this car, and I want to do it differently. What is a good first step? I have a couple first steps here. Okay. So one, one feels like a huge step, but... I think in our culture, uh, maybe the the best step you could take is to take a break from social media. Social media just invites you to perform, right? It's whether you're comparing yourself uh, on social media, but take a break. And I've heard someone say, take an hour a day, take a break an hour a day, a day a week, a week a year. Let that be a practice. Oh, that's good. So working in somewhat of a Sabbath practice to disconnect, to reconnect with God. Uh, another step, if you're not ready for that one, memorize Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 in that way to get that into your heart, to your mind. And then the last one is you got to preach the gospel to yourself, that you can't underperform and you can't perform, you can't perform perfectly. You can't do anything to impress God. He looks at you and says, 
I, I love I love I delight in you and I love you. Mm-hmm. So we have to remind ourselves. That's the reminder. You know, we say as Christians we share the gospel with others. We we actually need to start doing that with ourselves first before we can do it well uh, with others. That is a good word. So a couple steps if they're ready for three steps. I, I think I think all three of those packaged together in a neat yeah, little yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's we can, we can make one yeah, step I think out that's of that. what it is one step out of those three that's like a value meal a value meal of, of practicality I'm on board well thanks so much for joining us would You're you welcome. close us in prayer would you pray for that to. person who's listening today and yeah, absolutely uh, I'd love that yes yeah, let's pray Heavenly Father uh, we thank you that you love us despite what we do and a phrase that helps me is that I am uh, fully known and at the same time fully loved by God you know my, sh- my shortcomings, my sins, my mistakes, my failures, and you look at me with such pride. And I pray that the person listening to this would feel that as well. They would feel it in their bones, that they would know that the God of the universe who made, who made them looks upon them with love, delight, and joy. And I think, you know, he brags to the angels around them by saying, that's my son, that's my daughter, and I delight in them. So I pray that they would receive the good news that No matter uh, what they've done, they are still loved because who they are matters way more than what they do. So set them free from this trap, Lord, because you walked out of the grave. They can walk out of the trap following you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm doing all the praise hands. If I had a tambourine, I'd be shaking. Amen. The praise flag. Amen. We got the praise flag. Yeah, I'm feeling it. Thanks so much. Hey, so thanks glad for you're here. Yeah, so glad it's to been be here. a blast. We are so glad you came. Uh, Join us next week. We're going to be looking at escaping another trap. We're really super excited that you're here. Make sure to download us, uh, to subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts or find us on YouTube. Thanks so much. Have a great week.